And today, I got a, I got a lot to say because today is kind of the state of the union here at Bay Life Church. Uh, every uh, August, uh, we basically take a week where we just kind of talk about who we are, what we're about, where we're at. And so uh, I want to kind of do that with you. First of all, where we're at is in the midst of construction. Has anybody been walking out under this blessed shade giver here over on the uh, side of our building? Uh, I call it the lid. That's my affectionate term for it. Uh, we probably come up with a more official grown-up name. Uh, but uh, uh, we are just so grateful for the opportunity that uh, this construction project and the other ones that we've seen happen in the last couple of years uh, you know, take place. The, the, they are changing the way that we're able to do ministry, and they're all part of something that we started four years ago called Go Forward. Who was here when we started Go Forward uh, four years ago? Many of you were. Uh, many of you have contributed. Let me just report to, uh, to, to you all where we are with that. Uh, we pledged about a, a $1.8 million dollars. And even in the midst of COVID and lots of changes here in our church, uh, praise God, we have almost uh, received 90% of that $1.8 million. We've received $1.6 million, uh, which is about 89% received. And so I am praising God for that. Uh, lots of uh, uh, churches have gone through kind of these campaigns and, uh, and, and not seen the same kind of success. So I'm grateful to our God for our people for all of you who have been a part of that. Uh, we've spent up to this point about 1.2 million of those dollars. Uh, counseling center up here, we've got to partner with Hope For Her and make a, a significant contribution to what's happening there. Uh, grateful for that in our counseling center uh, being uh, housed up on the hill. Uh, we have uh, done lots of renovations. If you've been walking around, maybe you've seen in our portables here in our room, uh, we've uh, carpeted and painted and, and, uh, and off the, obviously the lid. There's all kinds. Of, does everybody understand how much you have to put into the dirt before you put up the stuff? I didn't understand that. Uh, but there's a lot of things that have to go beneath the ground before you can build on top of the ground. And so uh, big chunks of our money has gone towards uh, providing for this over here. But I'm so excited uh, to be able to use this thing. You probably saw the stage. Uh, we're going to do lots of ministry outside. Uh, and, and allow our groups uh, that have done ministry typically inside our walls to, to meet out there. It'll be a space for us to gather and fellowship. Uh, we'll be talking more about it as, as uh, things get more and more completed. But just praise God for uh, all that he's done through Go Forward. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to be a part of that with us yet, if you've been kind of new to Bay Life since we started, you can still uh, participate. There's uh, many who are continuing to uh, pay into their pledges or provide uh, for this program, and uh, just grateful for everybody who's been a part of that. Yeah, God. Well, now we get that's the where we're at. Let's talk about what we're about. Why do we, why do we uh, uh, build these buildings, throw roofs over uh, courtyards? Uh, why do we do any of this stuff as a church? Well, it's all fueled by the mission that we have, the values that we seek to live in. Uh, we have a mission around here. I'm going to remind you of it. Many of you know it. Anybody can say it by heart already? Anybody know it? Uh, here's what it is. It's this. We live, say it with me, we live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. I came up with some motions that might surprise you. But it's just, you don't even have to stand up. Everybody ready? We live to glorify God. That's this. That's the worship thing. Glorify God. Or hands up, give me your wallet. But anyway, uh, we live to glorify, keep them up. Come on, come on. We live to glorify God by being disciples, we take him and we make him the center of our lives. He is at the heart of who we are. So we live to glorify God by being disciples. Guess what's next? Who 
make disciples. Take what's in here and spread it around. It's a hard thing to be talking about in these days, spreading things. But, uh, um, but that's our mission. One more time together, what is it? We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. That's our mission. It's our mission in life. Chief aim, glorify God. Secondary aims, to personally surrender to him, to be a disciple of his, to follow him always. And in that discipleship, our personal discipleship, to be available to him to make an impact on those he sends into our lives. Our families, our friends, our coworkers, schoolmates, our fellow believers here in our church. We're here for the sake of others. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Every week I put this microphone on and there's key pieces to it. There's this little pack that has all the uh, components that are necessary for the amplification of my voice. There's this little cord that goes up through my shirt and hangs off my face. But inside there are these batteries, right? When I think about our personal discipleship, that's where we receive from God the power that we need to be able to utilize all that he's given us. The pack would be our gifts, our talents, our knowledge, our relationships, basically every part of our lives. You put these two together and all of a sudden sudden there's magnification of my voice. Well, it's the same thing that's meant to happen in the life of of all believers. Sure, we're meant to have our personal relationship, but our personal relationship is kind of dull and and dead if it just kind of sits here like two batteries, right? It's meant to be plugged into all that God has given us and all that he's made us to be so that through his power in us and by his grace to us, we can make a difference in the world and see him glorified to the full. Does that help? Maybe I won't say that next service. Anyway. One more time. Let's do it one more time. Everybody ready? We live to glorify. It's like the roller coaster. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Now we do this in the context of some very crucial values. Turn to someone next to you and see if you can name all four of the values that we kind of build ourselves upon here at our church. Turn to someone. Even if you don't know them, just make it up. Have fun. You shouldn't be looking at me. Talk to someone else. If you're by yourself, talk to the floor. I don't know. Just All right, anybody got any of them? What do you think one of them is? Okay, belong. I'm going to call that connect. What's another one? Yeah, serve. We seek to belong and to serve. Oh, my goodness, I put the wrong value into my notes. We're going to see that in a second. We seek to belong. We seek to serve. What's another one? Worship, that's the easy one, right? We're, we're here to worship. Anybody know the last one? Yeah, multiply. Four of them, kind of like the four legs on this stool. As we seek to live for the glory of God by being disciples who make disciples, guess what we rest on? Those values. Worship, belong or connect, serve and multiply. These are the things that we have given ourselves to to be able to best execute the mission that God has given us. Worship, that first leg, is just the vertical relationship that we have with God. Connection or belonging is us having these horizontal relationships with each other within the body of Christ. That's why we do life groups. It's why we hang out here on a Sunday morning and hopefully go beyond just, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? And then move on. Uh, Worship, connect, uh, or belong. Serving, this is 
The third leg of the stool. I understand that in this life, I exist to serve God and to serve others. That's my chief aim as, as a servant. So many times people come to life and their, uh, their, their, their first question is, what's in this for me? And, and that's true of a church. Maybe you're kind of new to us and you're kind of kicking the tires around here and like, well, what does this place have to offer me? I hope very soon, if you stick around, you move from what's this place got to give me to what can I give God in this place? Because that's, that's the heart that we're meant to have as you follow him, right? I was riding a, a, a city bus uh, as a child with my, uh, my father and, uh, and, and an older lady came onto the bus at one of the stops and my dad immediately pops up. I was standing, but my dad pops up to give this woman the seat. I did not read the signs. Are you with me? So eight or nine-year-old Mark just immediately says, awesome, that, was, that seat's for me, and I pop right into that chair. Anybody want to guess how long I stayed in that chair? I did not get comfortable. Because back in those days, you could move a kid. And so my father moved me so that the lady that he was seeking to serve could have the seat. It's indelible, it's in here, I remembered. Oh, that's why. That's why I'm here. I'm here not so that I can sit, but so that I can allow someone else to sit in my place. We worship, we connect or belong, we serve. We do all of this with the hope that we will multiply ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we say we live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. You and I are put on this planet not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others, to involve myself with others, to invite others to become a part of the family of God. Now these, these values, a lot of people think that our values are just what we do when we're here. We'll just come in, we'll sit down, we'll worship, we'll belong, connect, we'll serve, and maybe we'll multiply ourselves as disciples here with these other disciples. But that's not the only place that our values are meant to exist. They travel. So that wherever we go, our values go with us. So if you go to school tomorrow, students, you're going to school with this in mind. I live to worship God by being a disciple who makes disciples. If you got a stool at home, just go ahead and put it on your head as you head out to the bus, right? <laughs> Rick, as you go to work tomorrow, pop that stool on as a reminder to yourself that, hey, I'm here at work to glorify God as a disciple who makes disciples. I worship, I connect or belong, I serve, and I multiply. It's like the Macarena. Anyway. <laughs> Are you with me? All right. Oh, thank you. He put a stool on his head. That is obviously worthy of some applause. All right. So this is us. And listen, this is us for 2,000 years. This is the church. I don't care what label's on the outside. This is the mission of any body of Christ that exists in this world today. Doesn't matter what era we're in. Listen to me, it doesn't matter what climate we're in, politically, pandemically, I think I made up a word there. Um, no matter what age you are, you never age out of being a disciple who makes disciples. This is us. It's more than a TV show on NBC. It's who we are, regardless of our programs or how we approach things. We need to keep this at the center and allow the, the externals, the extraneous, the the, the, the peripherals 
not allow those things to separate us from each other or to distract us from this vision, this mission that God has given us. That's hard. Has anybody notice that? It's hard as a church to keep that forward momentum, to always be going. It's hard as a follower of Jesus Christ individually to stay on mission, living in the values that God has given us. That's why I wanted to study today this portion of Hebrews with you. Hebrews, uh, I've been studying for the better part of a, a year and a half now with uh, the guys I do life group with on Thursday mornings. It is this incredible treatise, this, this love letter to a bunch of Christians in the first century who were considering leaving the Christian faith and heading back to their Jewish roots. And in it, if you have time to read it this week, it's a great, it's a great read. In it, the, the, the writer, we don't know who it is exactly, but this, this writer um, argues the, the point that Jesus is supreme. Why would you ever leave what you've received in Christ for anything else, let alone the Jewish faith? He makes that argument for 11 chapters, and then as I've preached here before, in chapter 12, verse 1, he pivots, and he says this. He says, therefore, and he talks about the witnesses, those who have gone before in faith. He says, therefore, let us throw everything off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. He puts it in terms of a race. Let's run. Let's throw stuff off it that holds us back. And let's live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He picks up this race analogy in the, uh, the verses that follow. Ten verses later in verse 12. These are the ones I'm going to preach to you today. Therefore... Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may, may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Verse 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by, many, or by it many become defiled. Just three verses, three, four. 12, 13, 14, 15. Four verses. I snuck a verse in on you. Four verses and four things, imperatives, four commands in these verses for us as we run this race. I don't know if you come in here today and you're weary. Kind of just wish the whole COVID thing would just end like now. Just kind of wish that the problems that are, um, you know, unique to your life situation in your family or at your workplace or in the relationships of your life, that, that those could just be over. You're tired. This is a, a sermon, a reminder of what we're about, but an encouragement from a writer who wrote a couple thousand years ago to a bunch of Christians who may be just like you, weary. This is what... God's word has to say to us today. The first is this, pick them up, put them down. Keep going. Anybody ever have a coach that's what they yelled at you? I would, I would be out there and my track coach would just yell that. Pick them up, put them down. He'd be talking about our feet. All right, and the first mile, that's not that hard. Second mile, as an eighth grader in track, uh, track and field, I was fine. It was that fifth mile. You've just been going around the track at school you know, I get scorching ADD. I, if I just keep looking at the same things, I just get bored. And I get tired. And so he'd be there in his megaphone, not running, by the way. Thanks a lot, pal. 
But he just yelled at, pick him up, put him down. His point was simply this, the same point the writer of Hebrews is trying to make. Keep going. I know you're tired. Keep going. Look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. That word strengthen there is actually the Greek word anorthosate, which is easy for me to say. But did you hear ortho in there? It's from whence we get orthopedics. It's this whole picture of, hey, man, uh, get yourself doctored. Get yourself straight. Get yourself rejuvenated so that you can keep going. Lift your hands. Everybody ever been running and your hands start doing this? When you're starting, you're like, yeah, I'm running. But as you get going, you're just kind of falling forward. You know what I'm talking about? Your knees start to hurt, especially if you're my age and my weight. Your knees start to hurt. The writer of Hebrews says to these Christians who are weary, hey, man, keep going. He uh, echoes uh, the sentiments of several Old Testament writers in the book of Job. Uh, Job is reminded that he, uh, uh, he strengthened his uh, weak knees and he picked up his drooping hands. And Isaiah, the prophet, picks up on the same idea in chapter 35 where he uh, uh, you know, encourages those that he's prophesying to do the same. Wherever it is in Scripture, the message is, is clear to me. It's, it's, hey, keep going. In fact, this race isn't about winning it's about continuing. Does everybody get that? Like in the Christ life, you're not always going to win. Has anybody noticed this? Like things aren't always going to work out. In fact, God is using those things that aren't working out for your good uh, to, to, to teach you things that you couldn't learn otherwise. But it's not about winning. So many people get into the Christ uh, life and they, they think, well, good, everything's going to be great and I'll win in every situation. He'll make me rich. He'll make me happy. Yay. Often that happens. Way more than we often uh, give a, allowance for. Right? God blesses us pretty good. Can we all agree on that? But even when that isn't happening, we still run. Because it's not about winning. It's about persevering and moving in the directions that God has us. Paul understood this. He wrote this to his friends in Philippi from prison. He says, brothers, I don't consider what I have made uh, to be my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I keep what? I keep going. I keep straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on, as we've heard more famously, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to reach the finish line, going through whatever God allows to happen in my life for the sake of Jesus. This strength that we need for our drooping hands, for our sore needs. How do we get that? Well, you wanna strengthen your knees? You might wanna try to spend more time on them. A little earlier in the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer says this to his, his readers. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What he's talking about, he's saying, hey guys, I know the, the race is hard, but we have, through Christ, been given away into the very presence of God. Through our prayers, we can receive mercy, find grace in our time of need. Some of you came here to church today and you thought you were just gonna put your hour in and go home. I think you're probably here today to pray with someone whether it's in our prayer room after our service is over, over here in the corner with some of our prayer partners, you're here just to be prayed for and prayed with. 
because you got some weak knees. Got drooping hands? Let me make a suggestion for how you might strengthen those. Instead of putting everything else that you've been putting in your hands to solve your, your problems and find solutions, how about grabbing one of these? It's a Bible, in case you're wondering. Travis just told us that Jesus, in the passage that we were studying last week in the book of John, says, you have to feed off of me and drink me in to find true meaning in life, to have what you need for life. And so often, we're eating the junk food that the world has to give us, and we're forsaking the, the nourishment that God wants to give us through understanding his word. I disciple a couple guys during the week, and I'll be just kind of run down. We'll, we'll meet at night, and I'll just, you know, I'll just want to kind of pack it in and put on Netflix. Anybody with me on that? Uh, and, and, but I go out, and I, I sit down with my friends, and, and we just pop open God's word. And you know how it says that the word never comes back void? It's amazing how if you just spend some time in this thing, whether it's by yourself or with someone else, what God can spiritually bring about in your life. It's a renewing, it's a feeding. It doesn't come back void. I won't take the time to read it all, but in Deuteronomy chapter six, the Israelites are being told to make sure that they make the word of God the center of their family's lives. Tell it to your children. Talk about it when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as a sign around your hands and, and put them as, as in little boxes between your eyes. You could kind of, if you've ever seen some of the more, uh, um, you know, uh, Orthodox Jews, they'll have these boxes that they tie, and there's scriptures inside of them because they take this verse very literally. Write them on your doorposts and on your gates. What, what the writer of, uh, what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy is he's saying, hey guys, make the word the center of your lives so that you can keep running, keep running in this race. Pick them up, put them down, keep going. And then secondly, watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. Anybody ever tried to run somewhere where you're not looking? Have ever been in a car? Maybe you were doing it this morning. You were, you know, I don't know, doing your hair in your mirror. Uh, maybe you were talking to your spouse or yelling at a kid. I don't know. But if you're not watching where you're going, you tug the wheel. You move in the direction of, of where your attention is headed. And so the writer of Hebrews says, hey, man, watch where you're going. My son, uh, Ben, started classes for his second degree uh, this past week at, at one of our local universities. He'd never been on the campus, came home. He's 27 years old, first day of school. It's kind of fun. Anyway, uh, but he, he comes home and he, he tells me the story of his day and he's like, so what was the highlight? And he says, I'll tell you what the low light was. Uh, I was reading my schedule and kind of trying to confer, you know, with my map as to where the, uh, you know, the next class was. And I walked into the cafeteria door. It's like, awesome. Way to go, son. Way to be a grown up and walk into a perfectly closed door. Anyway, uh, yeah. He, he says this in, in, in the scriptures. He says, uh, Make straight paths for your feet, verse 13, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Anybody ever been running on the sidewalk and you weren't paying attention and you stepped off to the side and turned your ankle real good? Or who, who's ever done this? You, you come into a place where you think there's a step and so you put your foot up to get on the step and there is none? Anybody been there? That's always a fun moment, isn't it? <laughs> it's my first day on earth. How's it going? You gotta watch where you're going so that you don't throw the rest of your life out of joint. 
We, we got these, these uh, road ruts. I don't know what they're called, but they're like those little grooves that are in the road so that when your tire hits them, when you're kind of sleepy and you're driving down the highway, it's like, Meh. and that's to remind you, we want to keep this vehicle on the road. That's basically what God is saying to us through Hebrews here. For your own sake, get back on track. Get away from the ditch that is your petty disagreements with someone in your family. Uh, the sinful grudges that you hold against someone at work. Uh, the useless temporal pursuits that you throw yourself into thinking that they'll give you, you know, life value and, 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 and fulfillment. And, and the harmful, sinful appetites that completely take you away from God. Get rid of those things for your own spiritual good. Do it for your own sake. But this translation, or the translation of this actual verse can be rendered in a different way. In the NIV, it says this, verse 13, make level paths for your feet so that the lame or other people who are lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Both are inherent in this passage. Make straight paths. Watch where you're going for your own sake, but make straight paths and watch where you're going for the sake of others. Does everybody understand that we don't live in a vacuum? People are watching. In fact, people are making their minds up about Jesus based on the Jesus that they see in us. They're drafting of us, off of us, following our lead. Uh, it's not so much in these days that we experience this, but back before GPS and phones were able to guide us everywhere we wanted to go, we used to actually have to take directions. And a lot of times there'd only be one copy of the directions and maybe four or five cars of fellow college students that need to get to the game. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that lead car has all of the directions. Who's ever been in that lead car and missed a turn? Isn't that a panic? Because now, like when I, you know, I went to school in Chicago, now you're in the middle of the city of Chicago and you're pulling UEs and you can't, because no phones, you can't talk to the people behind you and they are not happy with you as they seek to follow you. I was going to say they cuss you, but we went to Moody. Anyway, but the, they're, they're trying to follow you in the midst of this, this, you know, this, this journey, and you don't know where you're going. The blind are leading the blind. Anybody been on this caravan? Yeah. Well, here's the, the truth about us in this race that we're running with Jesus. People are watching Fellow members of the body of Christ are watching us, and those who have not trusted him yet are watching us. So we need to make sure we're careful with the path that we run, the patterns that we show, so that those around us can follow us to Jesus and not away from him. The writer of Hebrews has already talked about this in a previous chapter. In chapter 10, he says, let us consider how we might stir one another up towards love and good works and not neglect meeting together as the habit of some, but, but to be around for each other, encouraging each other, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. You know what they, the day drawing near is? It's just code for finish line. Keep running towards that finish line in such a way that your run encourages those around you to run the race that Jesus has for them. He goes on. In verse 14, we, we read this, that we should run the race and step with God and with each other. Run the race and step with God and in step with each other. Look what it says, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He, he holds up this... Uh, 
This, this, this dual thing that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live at peace with everyone and we're supposed to live in holiness. This holiness, not this salvation holiness that comes by grace through faith. We know about that from Ephesians. But this, this holiness, this practical sanctification holiness that allows us to see God working in our lives and, and, and leading us in life. Live a holy life so that you can live at peace with one another. Has anybody ever noticed that, that the two go together? That our personal holiness enables our relational peace to occur? I'm gonna ask uh, Jeff to come up real quick. What he's basically saying is that in our relationship with God, it's like a three-legged race. Who remembers that? Country fair? Okay, I didn't have like a burlap sack. All I got is a garbage bag. You ready? Here we go. We're gonna put our feet here. Yeah, there you go. Okay, who remembers this growing up? Anybody remember this? There's probably an app if you don't. Uh, but, but how would you do? You, you, you gotta basically sync up. So we're gonna start with outside legs first and then go this way. This is what we're meant to do. This is, this is running in step with God. Say hi to God. Yeah, there is. Now, as I run in step with God, come on, Mike, hurry. As I run in step with God, get that other bag. I'm also meant to run in step with others. Ladies and gentlemen, the first time anywhere, the six-legged race. Is everybody ready? Okay, here we go. <laughs> no. Okay, so you're going to move your, le- your right leg and your right leg, and I'm going to move my left. Ready? Go. So now, and now we go this one. Keep going. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now see if we can turn and face everybody. Oh. So as I'm in step with God, I can live at peace with others. Does everybody see how this works? Thanks, guys. Get out of here. All right. Thanks, Art. Thanks to Art. I know it's all you got. Thanks for security. Everybody grateful for the security in our church? Yeah, they do a great job. I hope you're picking up what I was trying to put down there. The Christ life is a six-legged race. I run in sync and in step with my God. But (laughs) so often people don't make the connection. That's happening in my life, not just so that I can experience personal peace, but so that I can live in relational peace with those around me. Six-legged race, everywhere you go. A little bit later in verse 15, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, uh, that by it many become defiled. There's a, if I can do this, there's basically two sides to this striving for holiness. Uh, There's the offensive side where we pursue the right things and seek to run in that six-legged race of unity with God and with each other. But then there's the the defensive side of this coin where we seek to keep the things out that would trip us up in that race, that would cause us to go out of sync with each other as we run for Jesus. Yesterday, uh, I had the joy uh, to go in front of my house and dig up a banana plant. My father-in-law and my wife uh, have this desire to see bananas grown on our property. There's not much uh, sunshine in our uh, world because there's lots of big granddaddy oaks. And so they figured out the best place for it was right in front of our house. And and, and when they planted this little banana tree, it was about this high, right? But it grew up into the eaves of our home with its banana fronds and stuff like that. 
And besides just looking really clunky, uh, it was actually bringing moisture into our soffit and other things like that. It had to be moved, right? Because even though it's a good thing, fine thing, benign thing, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time, it can become something that was potentially destructive. So I uh, spent my morning yesterday morning digging down. Thankfully, not a big root system in banana plants. Didn't know that. But threw it up on my shoulder, much heavier than I thought it was. Dragged it over to this other part of our property where it can grow and flourish without messing up my house, right? I wonder what's happening in your life. What banana pants, banana pants, banana plants. (laughs) Totally different sermon. What banana plants. (laughs) Get it back, here we go. What's growing up in your life that shouldn't be there? What's growing up in your life that's making it hard for you to run this race with Jesus? It might even be a good thing. Bananas aren't bad, delicious. But it's just the wrong thing in the wrong place for the wrong amount of time. And it's distracting you from what really matters in this life with Christ. You spend too much time scrolling? Is it bringing about worry that you need not have because you are in Christ and if you are in Christ, we need not be anxious for anything? Are you with me? Where's your banana plants? Is it a grudge, that grudge I referred to earlier, that you continue to hold on to because it gives you power over the person who hurt you? that holding you back in this race that you're on with Christ? Pick him up, put him down, keep going. It's not about winning, it's about continuing. Watch where you're going. Be sure that you're running the path that Jesus has marked out for us in his word. As you run, Run at peace with God so that you can be at peace with each other. And finally, sow grace everywhere you go. This one imperative that is kind of embedded in verse 15, I think it's the, probably the most important. It says in verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Implied there is through you. Be this conduit this, this, this pipe of God's grace to those around you, whether it be your kids or your spouse, whether it be your coworkers or your classmates, whether it be those that you share a life group with, whether it be those who are in leadership and ministry over you. Extend grace to everybody in life, within the body of Christ, and then certainly outside the body of Christ. Does everybody get that you and I are sitting here because someone, probably a family member for most of us, but others, some friend, some stranger, started talking to us about Jesus and the grace of God was funneled to us through that person to the point that we have been regenerated, reconciled to God, given new life, recipients of his grace. It should never be this pond, this puddle that wells up inside of us. It's meant to flow to us and through us to the world around us. That's how this works. It's how it's always worked. For 2,000 years, the body of Christ has grown. Now look at me, listen to me. Bay Life Church in the 17 years that I've been here has changed. 
There's been more people and there's been less people. There's been more people and there's been less people again. The, the, the ways that we do ministry change, the, the, the things that are, are happening on our campus change. There's, there's, we got the chapel. Travis is going to launch Trinity. There's going to be all these changes. I don't care what the changes are as long as we have in our minds that we're running this race with Jesus, for Jesus, and to Jesus, that we're watching our step, that we are pursuing peace with him and righteousness with him so that we can have peace with each other, all so that we might be the purveyors of the greatest gift that's hit the planet. The grace of Jesus Christ is what makes the difference in any human being's life. God made us for him so that we may have life with him, and that comes when the grace of God is made real to those around us, through us. So now, may you and I pick them up and put them down. Maybe you need to pray with someone today. Maybe you need to be a part of a foundations group, sign up for a life group, still not too late to do that. Maybe something needs to change in you so that you can kickstart this thing. Anybody remember, this is an old thing, there used to be these cars that had like stick shifts in them. You remember those? And, and, and if, if your uh, stick shift manual transmission car had a problem with its starter, there was a, a, a workaround. Does anybody remember the workaround? You could park on a hill. Anybody remember this? And just for those of you who don't know this, with a manual transmission, you could actually start rolling your car, pop your clutch, and the engine would start. It was the coolest thing ever. But here's the deal. I hope you understand that when you come to church, it's pop the clutch time. When you're around the people of God and singing the songs of God and, and hearing the word of God be taught, if you're just kind of sedentary in your spiritual life, not moving, you gotta remember, this is a race. I need to keep going. Even if it's hard, I need to keep going. I can rest for a second, but I need to keep going. And some of you need to pop your clutch. Get things heading in the directions that God would have you head. Pray with someone today. Join a group. Watch out for where you're going. What's tripping up your race? Run with sync, in sync with God and others. Spread the grace wherever you go. That's what I wanted to say to you. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of who we are and what we're about. Thanks for all the things that you've done around us, you know, the things that we've been able to build by your grace and through the generosity of your people, but buildings and programs and all this stuff, they're just means to an end. They're, they're tools that you've given us to be able to accomplish um, the, the greater mission that you have for us in life. That's to glorify you by being disciples who make disciples, to worship you, to, to belong to each other, to, to serve you as, as we serve others, to, to multiply. And so, God, if we're, we're, if we're here today like the Hebrews were, that received this letter, if we're weary, if we're tired, if we're confused and we don't know what's next, just use what we've learned today to get us moving again. Help us to pop the clutch and head in the directions that you have for us. Help us to run this race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on you. Jesus, because you're the author and the perfecter of our faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. Let's run. God bless you as you go. Peace.